Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman, the place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Garleski and Ryan Cody talk about life, work, comics and booze. Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show and online at www.tigshow.com T-I-G-S-H-O-W dot com Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking while you're listening to the show. Go on yourself, big man. I need to buy new headphones. Okay, uh, got to get some cans. All right, so I'm sure this today, is all staying in. No, I'm going to edit some of that out. So today, since we're going to be talking a little bit about artists and comic books, do you know where a good place in in North Phoenix to buy some comic books are, Scott? Huh, a good place in Phoenix to buy comics? The uh, the best shop in that area would be jesse james comics you're right they have a new location on the northwest corner of peoria and 51st avenue next to the sprouts and i'm a sprouts fan i get my i get my fresh fruits and vegetables from sprouts and one of the two beers i'm drinking today i got from sprouts uh so they have a new 8,000 square foot location with an expanded gaming area for pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, force of will and many other games they also have their well-known dollar treasure room and over half a million items for sale on the floor, including new comic book issues. And if you went there yesterday, you could have picked up Copperhead number 12 from Image Comics. So uh, check them out at jessejamescomics.com or on Facebook and Twitter. And tell them the illustrious gentleman sent you and tell them to pre-order the DACA known hardcover from Dark Horse for you. Woohoo! Yeah. Now, All can, right, so... Can you what? only get beer made with like free range hops at sprouts no they have fine fine beers at sprouts you don't go to sprouts they don't have a sprouts in your neck of the woods maybe yeah they're really good for uh like fresh fruits and vegetables their prices on like packaged food is expensive but they got really good deals on like all sorts of fruits and vegetables so i usually go there for my produce shopping and then they have really good uh the beer selection there and if you're into wine or something like that they have wine good wine selections too so yeah i mentioned that i have two beers today but i'm actually i mixed my two beers i'm making i made a, a black and tan so i mm. mixed my two beers and for uh you know i'm sure we're really huge in ireland i suppose i would imagine we have tons of irish listeners so I don't want to offend them because that's a they don't like that term. So I'm having a half and half today, actually. So normally this would be any ale or lager mixed with any stout. And so today I got a Sonoran white chocolate ale, which is brewed by Sonoran Brewery, which originally was from Tucson, but is now brewed in Phoenix. I was just going to drink the, the Sonoran white chocolate ale and then I read online that it's really good if you mix it with the stout because it, it's a little too sweet on its own. So then this morning when I was at Sprouts, I picked up some Guinness. So that's what I that's what I mixed. It was a Sonoran white chocolate ale and a Guinness. Good choice. And the Sonoran white chocolate ale I have had before a couple times. And I think I even had it once when you and I went to Rubio's at lunch out uh, about by your house one time. I think they had it. So I couldn't remember if I liked it or not. But I took a swig when I was pouring this this mix here, and it's pretty delicious. If you're into chocolate, uh, it's a very unique beer because it's not a it's not a stout or a porter. It's a light colored beer, but it tastes just like chocolate. It's bizarre. the The half and half I'm drinking is absolutely delicious. That sounds good. Yeah, it's like a chocolatey Guinness. It's delicious. Um, what What about you, Scott? What are you drinking? Uh, I've got the last of my. Uh build your own six pack thingy and i i mean i hope people appreciate this i do this just for the show i am drinking big blue van by college street brew house and pub from lake havasu city oh, two weeks in a row lake havasu makes an appearance yeah i don't the can is just it's a can it's not a bottle and i mean i guess i don't have anything against cans um so i don't know why i mention it yeah canning's making a comeback a lot of brewers are a lot of microbreweries are using cans now it's supposed sure. to be better 
Sure. It's a 5-4 ABV. The can says, the like this tagline on this can is, pack it in, pack it out. I That's van lingo, I guess. Maybe like a, Whatever. It's a specialty uh, it is, beer for camping. Yeah, it's unfiltered blueberry, vanilla, and blackberry wheat beer. So uh, it'll, it'll probably be fine. This should be terrible. It's, it's probably going to be just fine. Anyway, let's pour this thing out. What kind of glass are you pouring? Are you pouring it into a tulip or a flute? A pub glass. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it looks like a wheat beer. Uh, well, no, it's... Eh. It's not as cloudy as most wheat beers I've had. Yeah, it it looks like a it looks like a lager. It's nice and gold and fairly clear. The nose is really fruity, like yeah, probably like fruit, vanilla, the things it said on the can. But uh, I I had something not too long ago. I think that was blueberry. I don't remember the name of it now, but it poured purple. This is. This looks like beer. Okay. So, wow, it's um, uh, um, it's taking you a while to digest what your thoughts are right now. Yeah, it's like candy. It's like uh, like um, what are what what are the the powder straw candies? Oh yeah, with the sugar stick, like yeah, a... sugar. Yeah, I, that's not the name of it, but no, that's not. Y'all the, know what like I'm talking lick, about. Lick it, lick em stick, or lick it stick, or something like that. Yeah, if you took a uh, yeah, if you took one of those those uh, straw candies, like a like a blue raspberry one, and just poured it into maybe like a blue moon or something, I that's what I think it would taste like. All right. Well, at least if you don't finish it, you can just give it to the kids when they get home from school. They'll sure. Like it. It's yeah. play beer anyway, right? Yeah, that's right. Doesn't count. So today, uh, there's two, two topics, but they they're, they kind of all revolve around artists and the artists' role in comics, I suppose. And so I thought we would talk. We yeah. would start with the uh, the uh, the quotes from the Marvel. I guess he's the editor in chief, Axel Alonso. I don't. I've never done any work for Marvel, so I don't know. Exactly All right, sure, yeah, let's if, turn if there. We're, the right we're well, okay. So this is sort of like the the comic book controversy episode. Yeah, we normally don't touch on shit like this because I don't think normally I don't think we really give a shit. But it was like a double downed week. Yeah, I guess kind of, we this kind of we stuff. could have done this last week instead of our shit episode because this is this is a couple weeks old now, isn't it? Uh, maybe like a week and a half. I don't think okay. it's that old. Yeah, but I, I yeah, you're right. Usually we wouldn't get into this sort of stuff, um, but um, I, I think enough people in the industry have made their their opinions known via Facebook and Twitter and whatever, um, and interviews and quotes and articles and shit that you know, whatever. Everybody's talking about it. I guess is the point I'm making. So we might as well too. Yeah, so I, I I got two two parts of the quote here, and I guess these statements that I'm gonna read were made at a. I mean, like I said, I might be wrong on all this. You can Google it for yourself, but I think these statements were made at a retailer summit that Marvel allowed press at for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, if you're a company and you're talking to to your distribution, essentially, why you would have press there for any reason, but. So apparently these some of these quotes came out. So I'm going to read I'm going to read a couple sentences here uh from Axel Alonso, who I've I've heard other people defending. They're saying like these were either taken out of context or you know, he's a great guy and he was just this is just how he feels about the co- the company right now. So I'm not saying he's a bad guy for saying this. This is just what he said. Yeah, that that's an important point. Um I just have the one article that you sent me. So I I am not sure, yeah, what the context of this is. We're just going to have to take all of these on face value. Right. So uh, he says, uh, there are fewer artists that impact sales than there are writers. And they're harder to promote. It's harder to pop artists these days, he said. There is no apparatus out there. There is no Wizard magazine out there that told you who the hot top ten are. We don't do that anymore. We can hype our artists all we want, but I don't know if we know how many artists besides maybe McNiven and Copel 
absolutely move the needle on anything to be drawn. So just on that alone, he's kind of saying like artists don't sell books is, is how this was interpreted by the majority of people on social media, the majority of artists. And that's kind of how it sounds is, but he could be lamenting the fact like maybe he wants more artists. Maybe he wishes the artists had a bigger, had a bigger place in the, in the market right now, as far as why books sell. Although I don't believe the big two, they don't want artists being the focus of books because that happened once before. So what I take out of that is that they, they just don't, they think that they're promoting these artists as much as they're promoting the writers and promoting the characters. And it's just not working. And my personal thoughts on that is they don't promote the artists nearly as much as they promote the writers or the events or the characters. And here's a quote that a guy on Twitter wrote that I saw. He's replying to, uh, Eric Larson and Chris Somney. So this guy, uh, Jared what did Osborne. Larson and Somney say? Uh, I think they. Well, I think Larson was basically saying like it's because of image that these companies will not promote artists anymore. And Somney was just saying like, hey, if you're a guy who buys books because of the artist, let let these publishers know. So Jared Osborne is the the guy's name. I don't know who he is. His Twitter handle is at Radiant Comics. He said, "quote We will never make artists into stars again." was what I heard around the Marvel office after the Image Gang left. So apparently this guy was working at Marvel back then when the Image Exodus happened. And that's kind of, I mean, I kind of, I think there's some validity to that. That You know, in the late 80s, early 90s, they were building art. Frank Miller, they were building up Frank Miller, building up Todd McFarlane, the the big two were. And then these guys all went off on their own and, and left the companies. And I can see why the companies would be like, oh, we don't want to do that again. You know, we don't want to put money into these guys or make them seem bigger than the characters or bigger than the property or bigger than the the company. So I don't find that hard. I don't find that mentality hard to believe. So the way I interpret this thing overall is that, yeah, I think there is some very uh, overt sense of to not promote the artists as much as maybe they should. And that could just be because I'm an artist and that's the way I see it. And maybe a writer sees everything as fair. I don't know. But that's how I see it. I, I don't know how much water that holds today. I mean, that's a 25-year-old point. I, it's just, I don't know. It's just maybe we're, we're, you know, in one of those cycles, if it is a cycle. You know, uh, I, I don't know that you can argue that uh, writers aren't held up as uh you know the the creators in the team that that actually sell the book it, it's interesting to me that he name drops mcniven and Koipel. it right because i would i wouldn't put those two i mean i guess i like i said i'm not i'm not the, the guy you would look to for what's hot in comics but i wouldn't i wouldn't put those two artists up there as two of yeah. the biggest artists in the industry 10 years ago maybe yeah but the some of the things stuck out like he, he makes it I mean, he, he, he didn't just say we're having trouble selling comics and the artists don't sell comics on name value. He made it a point to say they impact sales fewer than writer, less than writers. So to me, that is to me, that goes to show there is something purposeful in, in the in what he's saying. I don't think it's a cyclical. I think uh, and if it is cyclical, I think it's there's something causing it to be the way it is now. You know, he's trying you know, to make it sound. He's also trying to make it sound like the people who read comics aren't smart enough to know who's good unless Wizard Magazine is telling them who's good. I I don't know. I think we're, if anything, we're in an upswing of the IP because of the movies, and that downplays the role of the artist to where yeah, these books are going to. I mean, these yeah, books are going to sell no matter what. I'd like to know what's informing his his statement. Uh, if it's, you know, if this is a conclusion he's drawing from sales numbers is this feedback he's hearing from retailers i don't know how he came to this conclusion um i would like to know that part i i don't know that i can argue though that that uh not that artists don't sell books but that the writers have a bigger impact on sales i think that is true well, I uh, I don't know about that, but I think there there are some people. So there's lots of reasons. Some some I was reading on Twitter, and I didn't write down every everything I read, but some of them were saying like it, you know, when books double ship and when books are rebooted and 
when artists are only allowed to do a four or five issue run on a book, that hurts the artist because that's not going to hurt the book. The writer is going to be on the book for years. And it is true. Other than Invincible, which is not a big two book, I can't think of another artist who's had a three or four year run on a comic where in the 80s that was common. You know, Jim Lee was on the X-Men for like three years. Mark Silvestri was on the X-Men for like three years. You know, they're doing 30, 40 issue runs on these books. Nowadays, they hype uh, Stuart Eminen coming in on, you know, uh, you know, any book like a Spider-Man book. And he does like six issues, you know, or when they when they launched the new Star Wars line, he was the big name artist. He did like four issues. So some people are saying, you know, publishers, uh, you know, like image guys or whatever saying like, yeah, they're purposely pulling these guys off after one trade. It's worth the books because they don't want the artist to be they don't want the artist to overshadow the book, which, you know. I could see that. And I, you know, I think that hurts sales more than artists or writers is having a new creative team every five months or relaunching the book every, you know, every two years. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. They don't, I mean, they don't, when they, when they rotate artists in and out, they're not rotating the writers in and out. You know, some of these writers have been writing that the Avengers books and the X-Men books for many years. And there's been, there's always a different artist change. Like why, why is that? It doesn't make sense to me. Why would you change one half of the creative team every five or six months, but keep the writer on there for for a long time? It shows that it almost seems as if they don't see the artist as part of the storytelling team. They see the artist as the labor and they see the writer as the storyteller. That's what that shows to me. Yeah, I I don't remember if we've talked about it. We probably have, but that the theory that this is part of an editorial plan and a publishing plan to keep page rates down yeah that's that's something i that's something i was tweeting out yeah you don't know you don't want anyone to get so big that they can you know hold out for a higher page rate or whatever it's by treating the artist as disposable and replaceable you don't have to pay obscenely high page rates and by putting it out there, the the by putting the story out there or the the theory out there that artists are replaceable and you know they're only going to be on for five or six issues, that you know the public comes to expect that, and that hinders creating superstar artists. I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe it's also a um, a result of uh, what Image did in its in its infancy, where artists were not fast they were not punctual so missing deadlines it it, it, and having that you know it i'm sure it's better now but it still happens there's still delays on books because of art related things um maybe in the in the public's eye in the readership's opinion maybe artists have uh have have played their way out of what uh you know what what the casual reader um values for that reason yeah i mean and they're there to read books you know um the guy that's been reading captain america for 25 years is reading captain america because it's captain america right yeah i i get it especially on you know the larger big two books those books are going to sell a certain number of copies uh regardless of of you know, the creative team. Um, yeah. And the, the second part of the quote I have here is directly tied to that. He says, uh, uh, this is Axel Alonso again, in part of the same um, statement. He says, what people care about is the rapidity of ship, which shipping books. Correct me if I'm wrong. They want to come out on time. Rapidity of shipping helps because it means that you don't have to wait a month for the next chapter. They're more forgiving of art shifts as long as they're good. So he is driving home the the point that getting the book out there, whether it's double shipping, which I think really hurts uh, artists and hurts comics in general, is whether it's double shipping or whether it's just released on a monthly schedule without being delayed. It seems that right now, at least Marvel is more concerned with the book being out on time than they are with the art, the artist, you know, because they're launching these X-Men books that are launching that we're going to get into in a second. They're launching with multiple art teams. So books that double ship are having, you know, they have multiple art teams on them. So, you know, but I, again, I think that's, I don't know. I mean, they're just, they're, they're trying to get their market share. They're trying to get their dollars. 
it just it's unfortunate that a statement like this was even made. It, it doesn't make sense why a statement like this even had to be made. It's not like there this was in it's not like this was being discussed before about do artists sell books or not and he's replying to a question asked of him. Maybe he was. Maybe he was replying to a question asked by a retailer or something like that, but it just seems odd that it seems odd that the statement was even made. And if if I was an artist, if I was Chris Somney or if I was one of the art, one of the big name artists at Marvel and my boss said this that basically we you know, we all move the needle, we're replaceable. I could see how that would really sting um, for some of these guys who have been, you know, anchors at, at the publisher, uh, you know, Mark Bagley and, and Somni and Emanin and these guys who have been anchors at these publishers for so long. That statement's got to gotta kind of stick in your in your craw. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I would like to know the bigger picture, the context of where this all came from, who asked the question, what the question was, what the rest of his response was. I I don't feel like he's disparaging artists. It no, yeah. it, it feels like he's prioritizing things ahead of art. Right. But yeah, I, I, I get, you know, if, if I were one of the guys, you know, under his, uh, his leadership or, you know, in his stable or whatever, it would be it doesn't do much for morale just on the surface the optics of it are bad yeah and it's just a bigger i mean i think and and i've talked about this before and it doesn't seem to bother you but it, it's a bigger i think it's a it's a it's a piece of a bigger thing that i notice and that is the lack of credit given to artists and um declan shalvey has you know he uses a hashtag on twitter a lot called art cred whenever articles are written without mention of the artist he'll throw that up there and it's i mean it's you could go every day on twitter and you can follow the accounts of quote-unquote comic book journalism sites and they're constantly talking about the new issues or the new arcs and the new stories and they never mention the artists at all as if drawing the comic is not part of telling a story you know you never see you never see and if, if you see an article with an artist it's always about the art process they you know they're always asking questions about what it's like to draw this character or that character but they're never asking about the current storyline they only interview writers for that current storyline or editors and it, it it is it is a way to kind of keep the artist as just just the labor he, he's just doing what he's told instead of being an integral part of the storytelling process and it's pervasive across social media and the concerning part is that most publishers aren't getting these things corrected. They're not saying, oh, no, it's so-and-so and so-and-so on, on this book. You know, it's not just the writer. You know, when they announced the Invincible movie deal last week, it was every article until Image corrected them. Every article was Robert Kirkman's Invincible optioned at, you know, whatever studio it was optioned at. It made no mention of Corey Walker or, or uh, Ryan Otley. So the fact that it... it more publishers aren't popping in or more writers aren't popping in and saying, Oh no, there's, I'm just one part of the storytelling process. You know, they're not going out of their way to make sure the artists are getting credit for their work. And I think that has a negative effect overall. Yeah. I'll agree with that conclusion that it's not good for, it's not good for the industry because it's not good for a quarter of the workforce. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just looks bad and it smells bad. I, I, I don't know that there's anything sinister going on. I don't know that he's got that there are there's any motive behind the statements other than him, you know, looking at figures and coming to a conclusion based on that and what retailers and readers are telling him. Right. I don't. It, it yeah. to me it feels like something he would like to have back. I, I don't know if he's made any statements after this, if he's gone back and clarified anything at all. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like if he could put that genie back in the bottle, that's probably something he'd do. Oh, I'm sure. And it's, you know, and it's probably, there's probably truth to it. You know, the numbers from a relaunch number one, depending on who the artist is, probably doesn't change that much unless you're, unless you're, you know, like Jim Lee or somebody like that, or Brian Hitch, I don't know. 
But, you know, a book like, let's say, like, let's say a smaller book, like if they relaunched or, you know, even like, say, the new Iron Fist book, you know, if they relaunch that with, uh, you know, I see, I'm so terrible at comics, I don't even know. So if they relaunch that with, uh, you know, with Stuart Eamon and, and he ran a full 12 issues and then they launched it with some guy that, you know, isn't as talented or isn't as good of a draftsman and it ran 12 issues. I would say that the numbers at, by at the end of the run are going to be a lot higher with the better artist. I mean, it's not all, it, it's not all IP when you get past the, you know, top 10 properties or something like that. Then, then I think artists do, do move needles to use that phrase, but I think you're right. I mean, or I think he has a point to where, well, not art. I, I think the creative team, I think, I think a Batman book is going to sell no matter what, roughly the same no matter who the creative team is on it because it's batman as long as it's a a quality story and serviceable art and stuff like that it's going to sell no matter what and i think that's kind of i think that's kind of what his point was like these books are going to sell no matter what or not sell no matter what but i do think a a great creative team does make a book sell better and i don't i don't know i mean i would never buy a comic with shitty art no matter who the writer was we should roll into uh the the diversity at marvel topic i think it's another issue of context so it, i'm sure everybody's heard this thing but the story is uh that i i think it was at this same uh retailer summit right yeah i think so okay so vice president of sales at marvel is david gabriel and at uh, during an interview at this uh this the sales retreat. Um, his quote was, quote, what we heard was that people didn't want any more diversity. They didn't want female characters out there. That's what we heard, whether we believe that or not. I don't know that that's really true, but that's what we saw in sales. We saw the sales of any character that was diverse, any character that was new, our female characters, anything that was not a core Marvel character, people were turning their nose up against. That was difficult for us because we had a lot of fresh, new, exciting ideas that we were trying to get out and nothing new really worked. Uh, So this was, I guess, statements that he made after a presentation at this thing where uh, retailers got up and sort of gave their opinions. It, It was a, what can we do better? What are we doing wrong kind of thing? So retailers will get up there and the reports are that only a couple retailers said that this diversity thing, you know, isn't any good and you guys should stop it. <sighs> I mean, I, I think it's another it's another issue like Alonzo's quote that it's it just the optics of this, again, are poor. He says in here that that's what we heard. We heard that these things weren't working, that people didn't want it. But he also says, you know, that's what we heard, quote, whether we believe that or not. So well, uh, yeah. it, it, he he's not – it doesn't seem to me in this quote that he's condemning these things. He's not pushing the blame off onto these things. These are things that he heard from retailers. But he also made, you know, the mistake of saying that's what we saw in sales. He used we a lot. <sighs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's I just th- a mess. It's just a yeah, mess. Yeah, I think, I think it's pretty fuck. I mean, it's not rocket science. People who have been buying a Bruce Banner Incredible Hulk comic for thirty years don't want to buy a Hulk comic that features like a young Asian kid with like a spiked hairdo and he's like super hipster and it's called Totally Awesome Hulk. Hulk. I mean, do they think that? I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the kid's Asian. I mean, did did they think that? 30-year-old men who've been buying the Hulk for 15 years are going to start buying Totally Awesome Hulk? Like, of course it's not going to sell as well. You know, uh, uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man is not going to sell as well as a Peter Parker-led Spider-Man just because it doesn't have 60 years of history behind it. So, I can see where retailers are bummed because all of a sudden their Marvel title sales are dropping because there's just not the history in there. I mean, it's like, it's... I don't know. It's like starting up a new soda brand and then three years into it or five years into it being like, well, it's not selling as good as Coke. So people must hate it. You know, these characters are juggernauts. These IPs are juggernauts who have, uh, you know, half a uh, half a century 
worth of sales and history behind them. And it's like comfort food to 99% of comic book buyers. So, you know, I think it's, you know, I like the idea that Marvel's getting more diverse, but I thought that was the reason for the whole ultimate line was so the core fans could still have the books they love. And then you could have a whole line of books that is totally separate with new takes on these new characters. And so yeah, that's a good point. It's bizarre that, that, I mean, they're, they're acting like the in retailers are, and everyone, they're acting like they're shocked why these books don't sell more. Like I said, that's like wondering why something that's brand new doesn't sell as well as a brand that's been established forever. I mean, I don't, uh, they, they, sh- they should keep doing what they're doing, but they should also have core Marvel books, I suppose, you know, bring back the core Marvel characters and have those books because you have those people because there's not a lot. I don't think there's a lot of crossover, you know, I think younger people want these newer books with these newer characters with newer exciting stories and older people want their regular comics you know like i don't i'm not going to read squirrel girl no matter how good it is but that doesn't mean i don't think that book shouldn't be out there because i'm sure a lot of people get a lot of enjoyment out of that book so it's weird to yeah and it's weird it's weird for a company to base it's weird for a global company to 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 make statements based on a handful of their retailers like that's just i i don't know that's bizarre yeah 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 why Um, why would you let why would you let the retailers and the retailers got to sell books don't get me wrong but you can't let the retailers control the editorial and the publishing plans of the company there's got to be some sort of creative impetus there some sort of creative drive to the stories you want to tell and not let yourself be bogged down by every retailer in the Bible belt that can't sell a black Spider-Man book, you know, or whatever, a female Thor book. That That's not Marvel's problem. That's the retailer's problem. Yeah. Yeah. He does go on to say that, you know, these characters aren't going away. They're not going to change what they're doing. Um, I, I think a lot of the kerfluffle was a uh, half based on that comment of his, that <laughs> it, it didn't sound good, whether or not that, that's what he believes or Marvel believes. Uh, I think he chose, I think he chose his words poorly. And I think the other half of the outrage and the outcry was the headlines on all the articles was that Marvel blames sales slump on diversity, which if you read any of this, that's not really what's happening no, and then um, it gets lump it gets lumped into they bail, they blame sales slump on artists and diversity. You know, some headlines are 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 combining everything to come out of that and and say that Marvel said this when that's not really what they said. It's all clickbait headline bullshit, you know, to get Yeah, this, yeah. This small that, little I think that's a big part of why a lot of people are upset. It's just because of the headlines. People see the headline and then they, you know, they go off, you know, half cocked and it's just, I know, it's another, you know, it's just symptomatic of what's happening all over in the country, not just in comic book news, obviously, but right. It's, yeah, like, it's like clickbait you... nonsense, and yeah. it, there is stuff here to be upset about. They didn't handle it, or it, it's all because of this one quote from this one sales exec, and it sounds like he's echoing. Yeah, I he conflated a couple of different things. I think the sales slump, and then retailers blaming, or retailers not even blaming, but uh, these couple retailers apparently just not liking this this. Uh, I don't want to say a diversity mandate, but because I I don't think that's a thing that's actually happening. But uh, they don't like these 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 new uh, these new takes on core marvel characters and it's just those retailers expressing their opinion they you know whether it's their opinion or not whether their their customers are coming to them and saying you know well i you know don't pull thor for me anymore because i don't like that thor is a woman now I, i i think he mixed up those two things pretty clumsily in that one statement and that that's where a lot of the uh the hurt feelings are coming from I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel I, – I don't want to say I feel bad for him, but I have sympathy. But, you know, that said, I, I like what Marvel's doing because I think in 10 or t- 
10 it'll, it'll pay off it might not pay off now but it'll pay off in the future um right at least they're trying different things and they're 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 going out of the box so uh you know i don't have much sympathy for retailers who are having a hard time selling these books i mean it's their job to sell books and and i think any comic if it has a good story and good art any comic can be sold uh, it's just a matter of how much you want to work to sell it you know how much i don't know i might be phrasing that wrong but i i think I don't think the I don't think Marvel should stop what they're doing. I think retailers should come around to figuring out how to sell these books. And I think you know I I know you know I bet if we talk to any of the retailers that we know, I'm sure they probably don't have a problem with this. Yeah, I don't think we have anything more to say on this. I'm sort of skimming the original ICV2 article where uh, it's the original interview with David Gabriel. But uh, in the short time that we're sitting here, I don't know that I can pull anything out of it. I but but just looking over it real quick, it does look like context was was pretty key. And that's in most things that are in most things that are taken as offensive by a certain group. A lot of that is context. So yeah, and then also this past week, the artist of X Men Gold got in trouble. Well, not got in trouble. He he hid some political meanings in comic in in the issue that were brought to light that came up as. Uh, as anti-Semitic and anti-Christian, which is bizarre. I mean, my thoughts basically on it are that if you're hired to work on a corporate comic, you got to keep that shit to yourself. I mean, I, I think, I, I think, yeah, I think being political. Yeah, is let's fun. set So this basically, up. Uh, Artie and Syaf. Yeah, so Artie and Syaf. I'm sure people already know, but Artie and Syaf is uh, from Indonesia. And he's drawing X-Men Gold for Marvel, which is one of their right. books that's double shipping. So he's just one of the he's one of the art teams on that book. And the first issue came out and there were some hidden hidden things that he put in the art that relate to a anti Christian movement well, in, in Indonesia. Uh, yeah, so what it I, is, it's this this um this protest against the governor of Jakarta, uh Basuki Tejahaja Pernama, I'm sorry. You should be. Uh, who was the first Christian governor of Jakarta, who's, which is the capital of Indonesia. And Indonesia is the uh, the largest Muslim-majority country in the world. So having a, a Christian governor of your largest city is kind of a big deal. What I took away from that is, and first of all, the people who mentioned, it didn't get, it didn't get found out until the issue came out and then people from Indonesia pointed these out because I guess these numbers, these numbers right. and stuff are very uh, specific to that movement, this ant- this movement against this leader who really what I can gather is people don't like him because he reaches out to people of all faiths and they don't like that he's not, or they don't like that he's doing that, I guess. this. I mean, I'm sure it's a small, I don't know, I assume it's a small movement, a, a small group of people. And Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about the art. So the... So I have okay. I have one thing that kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. I never would have picked up on any of the, you know, they got the thing like the number two one two or whatever. All these numbers mean something. I don't think anyone that doesn't that doesn't follow that movement would would know what that means, right? But the thing that stuck right. out to me and the thing that I can't believe someone in editorial didn't fucking. I mean, these comics are micromanaged up the ass. These these Marvel DC books. There's a scene where Colossus, uh, an image where Colossus is playing baseball, and on his shirt it says QS, and under that it says five five one, written like a Bible verse. So yeah. any, anyone who's ever seen anyone work out, play sports, live in a normal life on the planet, that's not a normal shirt. So and if I was an editor, I would have looked at that and been like, that's a weird fucking thing to put on the shirt. But no, nope, editor never said that. No one thought that was weird. And that's the so that QS five fifty one correlates to a verse from the Quran. Yeah. So the English translation is: "O oh, you who have believed, do not take the Jews and Christians as allies. They are allies of one another. And whoever is an ally to them among you, then indeed he is one of them. Indeed, Allah guides not the wrongdoing people." Right. So you're so telling me now this verse the. the the significance of this verse is that uh, in Indonesia, it has been used as sort of a uh, like a, a catchphrase or a tagline for the protests against this governor. 
who apparently some people claim is guilty of uh, blasphemy against the Quran. So being guilty of blasphemy against the Quran in uh, Indonesia, I mean, they, from an outsider's view on the surface, seems like kind of a big deal. Right, but it, it's not just me. You, do you think it's weird that that specific panel made it through editorial? No, absolutely I mean, not. Wouldn't you? What, if, absolutely if, not. If, he, if yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do this sort of stuff, you know, put it, make it a postal code on an envelope or something, yeah, how or, does, how does, or you know, the time on somebody's how, watch. But to stick this on a character's shirt? How does someone not I, Google that? It, it, it's inexcusable that this yeah, got how, how do you not look at that and be like, I don't know what that means, but that's bizarre. Let me just yeah, Google I, it. Yeah, I better figure right. this out. And I'm, you know, it, you blast off one email and say, yo, what's this? Right, because, I mean, we both know that editors will send notes on the shape of an eyebrow or the, you know, the fucking, the width of a nose. So you're telling me that they don't fucking pick up on this? That is... That's bizarre to me that this got all the way through to print. And then had someone Googled this, you know, then they could have maybe investigated further. I don't know. It's it's bizarre that on a book as highly publicized and promoted as this, that this shit got through. It's not a good look for anybody. No, I I, I want to make clear that this is nobody's fault, but right, right. Yeah, yeah. This, this is his doing. Right. Okay? And, he, and he tried um, to uh, he tried to backpedal the whole time saying like, oh, it's taken out of context. This is just him showing his love for his religion. And that's fine, even though I I do think that it's OK to be political in comics. But I don't know that one should be preaching in a comic, especially where you're hired to draw a corporate comic. But he really fucking buried himself. He did an interview a couple days later after Marvel fired him and this is in an interview with local newspaper jawa post and he basically said the reason marvel could not accept his explanation for having the references is because marvel is owned by disney and when jews are offended there is no mercy so he really i mean he's really not i I mean he really does feel this way i mean he tried to backpedal it because shit i'm sure the american dollar and a marvel page rate goes a long way in indonesia you know cost of living is less he he's losing a uh, he's losing a very good income, but he's a fucking idiot. I yeah, I, it must have been worth it. Yeah, I, it's just I don't know. I I I don't have a dog in that fight. I I don't know exactly what he believes or how strongly he believes it, but he must have thought it was worth it. I I can't imagine he thought that it would it would just slide. Well, apparently I, I read one article where the, the, is it the two Oh two one two? That's the other number that showed up. Uh, right. Yeah. Apparently. He, okay. Yeah. Let's he talk put about that in a DC comic a couple months ago. And I was, yeah, it was a Batgirl book and I was searching for anything on that and I couldn't find anything. Uh, no, I, uh, I didn't write it down, but no, it has a meaning. That's another thing that correlates to. Yeah. yeah so I want to talk about this. Yeah. So that the first, so he snuck in two references to this ongoing unrest in Indonesia over this governor. The first being Colossus's T-shirt. The second being uh, a panel involving Kitty Pride. Oh, yeah. So she's standing there back to the reader and on either side of her head in the background on these buildings uh, to – the left of her head is the word jewelry, and to the right is 212. Now, 212 apparently um, is also a part of this uh, this Indonesian protest. It uh, it relates to a specific peaceful protest on December 2nd of 2016, where 200,000 Indonesians marched against the governor. I, I, I don't know... Why the protest is significant? Was it the largest one? I don't know. I, I don't know the specifics of why uh, this particular demonstration was important or how you get the number 212, um, which also happens to be the Manhattan area code where the book takes place and where the Marvel offices are. <laughs> if you wanted to, you could argue that. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, 212, it's the area code, but having the word jewelry next to her head here were the only three letters that aren't obscured by by the figure herself is j-e-w right and she's she's and kitty pride happens to be in the books 
Jewish. Yeah, and she's she's long, that, she's long <laughs> been a vocal Jewish, uh, uh, proud and vocal Jewish character. I think she wears a star of David in a lot of the comics. Uh, he knew he knew what he was doing. There's no doubt that this uh, he knew what he was doing. And if you want to be an apologist for him, you could say like, "Oh, those are just bad instances." But you can't no, look, you I, can't look I, past I, the shirt on Colossus. I think in a courtroom you could you could argue two one two, but the the jewelry sign is is just uh, it's just it's it's bad I, and it's 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 just bad all around. I mean, Marvel's doing the best damage control they can do on reprints. They're gonna adjust the art and shit like that, and they let them go. You know they're doing the best they can do, but it's yeah, it's it's just crazy. I mean, this guy committed career suicide for the most part, unless he's going to work just in like, uh, you know, like uh, you know, hardline Islamic comics, if there is such a thing. You know, I don't I don't see him ever getting hired by Marvel, DC, Dark Horse. You know, nothing like that again. Not not going to be working again for any anything close no. to his call, no. what he was making now. Have you ever hidden anything? In artwork? I don't think so. No. I mean, back when I was doing, like, if, if I did anything, I would put, like, a like a friend's, like, band name on a t-shirt. You know, I would never do. I don't <laughs> think I've ever done anything political. No. I'm, yeah, I, I've certainly never done anything to this extent. I mean, I've drawn friends and stuff into pages, yeah. but, yeah. Well, it, one of the things I had meant to do was look up other instances of of artists hiding stuff in artwork. Uh, I mean, just reading this Newsarama article about this, they have a bit at the bottom where they say that it's not the first time uh, an artist on a Marvel book has been disciplined for hiding stuff in artwork. Apparently in 2000, they fired inker Al Milgram for uh, adding a derogatory message about then outgoing Marvel editor in chief, Bob Harris into X universe or into Universe X Spidey number one. That that's the only instance. I had meant to go ahead and do that, yeah, but no. I didn't because I'm fucking lazy. But your job as an artist is to tell the story to the best of your ability, enhance the story, do your best work. It is not to try to alienate readers and cause controversy and shit like that, you know. So Yeah. I mean it is just it's so bizarre. That's when we're playing baseball. <laughs> they were playing baseball and Colossus has his shirt saying, you know, don't hang with Jews and Christians. Yeah, as he's playing baseball with Jews and Christians. Uh yeah. And just, especially uh, I mean X-Men they were created to be the book for the mi- minority right. voice <laughs> and and acceptance and, you know, uh, love and all that shit. It's terrible. Yeah, Dude. it's bad. Um, but on that note, we're gonna have a good show next next week. I think we're gonna do like a state of the show show where we're gonna catch up on what each other's doing and how our careers are going lately and what's new. So next week will be a fun little show. Hopefully, uh, who knows what the next uh, week is gonna? Well, who knows what's gonna happen? We just we just dropped a fucking the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan today. So. We might not even be here next week. All right, so let me go. Yeah, so next week we're going to be talking about our new our new exciting projects. Uh, and you have a new exciting project, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it. Eh, I guess. I don't know how many people well, are going to be interested. Well, it's now. So if you, if you look at solicitations, you would already know this news. But if you don't read solicitations. Yeah, that's, that's true. Nobody does. And nobody cares. Anyway, right? Who cares what artist is on a book? Yeah, apparently not. But I, I care. Um, I care. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing the uh, the two July issues of, of Superman, uh, 26 and 27. Yay. So, uh, you know, I know you all read the book, um, but for those of you who don't, you know, go out and get 26 and 27. Uh, I, I expect when I look back on the sales numbers for July, that I'm going to see yeah, a bump. Yeah, you're going to move the needle. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> okay, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk more about that next week because I, I get some. I'm, I'm fascinated by by this. Uh, not not. You're fascinated. Yeah, not by the. It. Uh, we'll get into it next week. I'm not fascinated that you got the gig. I always knew you'd get the gig. I could probably pull up emails from years ago, um, but it, it's. 
the career trajectory, the the difference, the the different jumps between the the levels of publishing and publishers you've worked at is intriguing to me. How's your how's your your blueberry bomb blast popsicle rocket ship drink? Big blue van. Yeah. I I probably not going to finish this. No, you going to leave it for the kids? Put it in a sippy no. cup. No, this is a one. All right, that's a one. This is a one, yeah. which is one, you will one not can. drink again, even if someone bought it for you. Okay. No. Uh, and so my, if you're going to drink it, so I, I give the, uh, snoring white chocolate ale a good, a good four, whereas I would tell people it's good and I would seek it out again. And if you mix it with like a Guinness or a Murphy's or a, another kind of unflavored stout, you know, not like another chocolate stout or a coffee stout, although that'd probably be good too. So retract what I just said and mix it with any stout you want and it makes the stout better. So this drink was delicious. It was one of the best that I've had on the show. I loved it. So, uh, yeah. Well, that balances Seek it, it out. out. It was delicious. So, all right. We will talk again next week. Thanks again to Jesse James Comics for being our sponsor. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TIG underscore show, at Ryan Cody, at Scotty God. All past episodes are available on TigShow.com. You can drop us an email at TigShowPod at gmail.com. And you can buy the guys around at at our website and i forgot to mention that uh my brother bought us around um yesterday so thanks for that derek yeah thanks man it's nice of him so uh we always appreciate guys who buy us around and one thing i would love is if yeah. i spent it on jack yeah, in the box for that's lunch. right tacos i would love if a <laughs> listener has their favorite beer that's readily available and we haven't tried it yet. They want to buy us around and tell us what to drink. We'll go pick up a bomber of it and we'll drink it and we'll discuss it. So get, sure. get on. Unless it's Big yeah, Blue Van. Big Blue Van. Yeah. Fuck you. All right, man. Talk to you next week. Bye. All right, man. Adios.